Hello and welcome to The Wise Why. This morning I am joined by a really good friend and I love this about the, the show. I get to invite my mates on and today is Paul Anderson's turn in the hot seat and I've known Paul since about 2014 uh, where we met when I was looking for a solution for my customer and do you know at that point this technology did not exist. So as usual, the show is not about me, it is about my guests. So Paul, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, good morning, Kirsten. Look, thanks for getting me on this show. I know you've been dying to get me on here for quite a while, so uh, you've managed to just you know, wrench me onto here, but no, I really appreciate it. Um, I've been working in security since 93. Um, I've done loads of things in the past, centralised security for Enron, worked with Home Office, Bank, uh, Bank of England, Foreign Office, been in the industry for years. Um, my passion is trying to do it right because everyone does it wrong. Um, I can expand on that maybe a bit later. So Awesome. But you didn't start in security, did you? I mean, this is the thing we know, and I, and I love this. So um, a lot of people who watch the show are from the security industry, but <clears throat> the people who aren't, can you explain what the security industry is? What the security industry is? <laughs> well, that's a big question. Yeah, that's a multi-layered question. I know. Um, so... Probably I'll take you back a little bit, uh, Kirsty. So, I mean, you, you brought up there where I sort of started from. So I was in retail since I was uh, 13, delivering papers. Then I worked for the co-op group when I was 15. Um, at 18, I was the department manager for the co-op. At 20, I was the store manager for the co-op. Uh, 21, I, I helped implement the EPOS system that was bringing out the new technology into the supermarkets for the co-op. And... Working in these sort of rough stores, you realise that, you know, you're looking at, you've got a few things to look after, staff for one, but your stock and things go out the door. So people nicking things. The CCTV systems weren't adequate enough. So hence why I reviewed security. The security guards weren't trained. You know, they didn't have enough training, didn't know how to handle themselves, didn't know how to handle people. So again, that made me understand security is a very big, big part of what we do. And in 93, I was still working for the co-op. I basically started a little company up doing security. Bought an intruder alarm, stuck it in my house. I thought, that's easy. Did some friends and family. Um, I then sort of worked for uh, uh, Barclays Bank in Reading, put a little system in for them. Trocadero did uh, access control, CCTV, intercom. And this was all part-time while I was working in retail. So that's how I got into the security industry. Um, to recap what you said, what is the security industry? It's about protecting assets, you know, whether that's people, whether that's, um, you know, physical assets in your building. Uh, how do we protect that IT as well as part of that? And that's what I do is not just look at one aspect of security. It's about how people use technology, how they operate things, how the business works, um, how the physical building is, how the IT infrastructure is, and how we can make everything safe in a nutshell sort of thing. Brilliant. No, that was brilliant because when you hear the word security, you do, and, and it's different when you're in industry, but when you're out of industry, you think of security and you think of maybe a camera on a wall. You don't necessarily think that your fire alarm or your burger alarm is connected to that. You don't necessarily think, you know, you just might, might just go to a online retailer and pick up some wireless cameras and you whack them up, but you don't know if they're really going to work or how the solution works. And, and it's just interesting to share, actually, security isn't just 
what you see. It is a lot more from what you don't see. And, and for instance, the project we were working on was AMPR, you know, automatic number plate recognition. I haven't said that for a long time. But, and at that point in 2014, that technology did not exist. It, it, was, a, it was an early technology. It's been around for quite a few years, but I think what the biggest drive that I have is, is understanding businesses, understanding their operational needs. A lot of people go into look at review security, but don't look at how the business works and how things how things come together. And I think when we sat down in a meeting, it was a simple question for me: What are you trying to achieve? And once you understand that, you can then just deliver what you need to do. And I think we, I turned around in that meeting and gave them a proof of concept within about five minutes, just bringing the camera they had that didn't work into a laptop, which was running the software. And just showed them it actually working straight away and that's what sells you know it's about delivering something and making sure that they they see it actually working so that was uh yeah it was a good meeting you then so and yeah. bought me a coffee as well so thank you <laughs> i always buy my guests coffee don't worry and you know next time i see you at a show coffee's on me because you've been brave enough to come on the show so well, yes you everybody. made yourself one this morning and you haven't even offered me one Difficult with virtual. Yes, I've got my plane. Well, you can still put a virtual cup across the screen. <laughs> I love that about you. So talking about that, life on screen, uh, because I think this is brilliant. So you've been doing one, this, this is a two-pronged question for you. One, TikTok, and two, acting. Can you expand a bit on those two for me? Yeah, well, life gets boring, doesn't it, Kirsty? So uh, I challenged myself uh, to get onto IMDb. Uh, this would have been around five years ago now, I think. And it was around Christmas time. And I, on, on Twitter, I've got a lot of producers, directors, uh, various people in film. Don't know how, just, just one of those things. Like I've got the people in that industry. And one of the directors had posted out. He said, uh, I've got a part for a, a drunk banker. So I tweeted back, I can do a drunk banker with my eyes closed. Uh, he came back and said, yeah, we'll try to do it. Anyway, no funding for that. And he contacted me just after the Christmas period. He said, I've got another one from Moody Boss. Just so happens I can do a Moody Boss very well. <laughs> so, um, so that's how I got into that. So I did a little series, uh, which is on Amazon. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's independent film. It was done with a mobile phone. Uh, it's a series called Silent Eye, and uh, the series I was in was You Have Been Chosen, and it was about three scenes uh, in, in, in this sort of uh, little series, so that was quite interesting. I then went to a film festival in Switzerland. I handed a award over at its film festival. I met a director at the bar, um, chatting to him about the film industry. He wanted to change the film industry, and I wanted to change the security industry. Yeah, adapting it. Uh, he then offered me a little part in a film he was doing, uh, which then went to the States and won an award. Again, independent film. I had about 15 seconds. It wasn't it wasn't my 15 seconds, uh, which uh, which got the award. But again, it, it, it was about challenging myself. How can I get on IDB? It was about five months from thinking about it to actually doing it. And I've got about five credits now, just little bits and pieces. That's brilliant. And now you've expanded on to TikTok. Well, yeah, it's again the theatrical sides. Uh too busy uh to go 
do anything in, in film. We'll get back to doing something uh, on screen. And I like performing. I like shouting, screaming, hollering, doing things. So I thought I'd try TikTok and see if I could conquer TikTok. It's a bit of a hard beast, TikTok. <laughs> so, um, but I'm on nearly 4,000 followers, 30,000 likes. Um, people like something about me. I don't know. But yeah, it's just a bit of fun. But that's the thing about you, and this is something that I've always, you know, since I've known you, is you set your mind up, mind's eye onto something and you achieve it. And then you've achieved it and you go and set yourself your, your eye on another thing. And I'm not going to use the word target. Uh, and the buzzword at the moment is goal. Um, and I don't necessarily, uh, some people are really goal driven. Um, I, like I, I like to think I evolve um, and I pick my next a bit like you, I, I pick where I'm going to go next and I'm going to achieve it because I've got this drive to get there. I'm just wondering what gives you that drive, that ambition and that focus to do what you want to do? Um, I guess it's upbringing. You know, you, you look at how you've been you're brought up as a kid. Uh, my dad worked damn hard. He was in he was a car mechanic. Um, previous to being a car mechanic, he was in the knitting trade and he was a textile technologist. Basically, how you put patterns onto clothes and everything else, he, he, he built all the machines. And I feel he restricted himself because he had an opportunity to go to the States. And because we were young, he decided not to. And I think you, she should have probably gone. I sat down with him before he died and talked to him about this a lot. A, a lot. He had the a great ability and he had great skill he was on tomorrow's world showing people how this machine worked a uh, new machine that come out new machine because he knew more than manufacturers did and i guess i'm picking up a lot of those traits i do know a reasonable amount about security but all the nuts and bolts how things work how things come together and what i tend to do is always look at outside the box is look at things that are, are different and I drive myself because I just want to be as best as I can as a person and give back to people. So TikTok is about, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people on there with mental health. There's a lot of people on there struggling. There's a lot of people that use that in that COVID period that need to be lifted. And I, I, I go on there just to have a bit of a laugh, sing, dance, whatever, just to get emotion from people just to make them smile like you are smiling <laughs> talk about smiles you don't smile in photographs <laughs> now you're smiling it took me ages to try and get you to get a smiley photograph so sure. yeah i might steal one of these <laughs> are you just frozen on so, me so yeah I, I just i hate smiling <laughs> and yet you've got but a lovely smile on, on, on film it's different Sitting in front of a camera and taking a picture. Oh, my phone is going left, right, and centre at the moment. So people are going, oh, I can see you now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're smiling now. So I wonder because I think we've got we've got something similar which I won't go into. But um, I know that things that happened in our childhood can fuel us on. You've talked about your dad, and you know I know the the way that I'm driven, and I don't know if it's part of my schooling. My dad was. Um, my dad started work at 14. My mum worked um, evenings when we were growing up. So dad would come home from work. And then actually a lot of the time he would go back out to work and mum would go to work and then we'd have the, the, the neighbour come over and look after us. So that doesn't sound 
particularly great, but then mum would be back from work. So it wasn't like we were on our own and we weren't. It was very much like we were not middle class. We weren't work poor, but poor, but we weren't rich either. You know, I can remember hiding and mum's going to kill me for this, but I can remember her working out that one week she could pay the, the rent or she could pay the milkman or she could pay the coalman. And I remember being told to duck down and hide. And we used to hide, you know, see who it was. No, we're paying that one today. Duck back down again. We're not paying that one this week. They're paying that one next week. Now that is a real firm memory of my childhood of us ducking down under the table <laughs> to hide by the window so they couldn't see us. As close to the window as humanly possible. So if they looked in, they wouldn't see us. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's like yeah, childhood memories. I mean, I, I pick, picking up there about being, um, you know, not poor, but, you know, with, without money at certain times. So I used to have a, a boiled egg for, for uh, lunch. And then I think one day my mum introduced bacon. It's like, no, I want a boiled egg. Bacon was a luxury. <laughs> it was like, you know, so, um, yeah, everyone's been through those, you know, hard times and stuff. And it's what makes you as a person, you know, it grounds you. You know, you appreciate everything you get. You know, you appreciate yeah. your family. You appreciate, you know, money coming in. You know, it's those little things uh, which I think make people. So who's inspired you on your journey? Because, you know, you've been, you've got this drive. I mean, you've talked about your dad and your dad has inspired, inspired you. But is there anybody else that's really inspired you on your journey? Inspired me? Um, my dad's drive, uh, my mum's empathy uh, for life and, and loving life. Um, I, I guess it's, I don't know, it's just, just, just embedded into me. I don't really use anyone else around me to, um, motivate me. I'm self-motivated. I've had quite a bit of crap in the past. So opportunity that word, I think. It's okay, it's, it's about how you get yourself up. You know, everyone gets knocked down and you've got to get, you know, get yourself up. You're the only person who can get you out of any mud. What you've got to think about is not forget about asking for help. There, if there's people around you, you can't always get yourself up. So I'll ask for that little help. And a friend of mine, Bao, um, after a lot of aggravation and trouble, he was always there. So you know, and you appreciate that out of your friends. And he's been my you know, lifelong friend since I was eleven. You know, so always around. And yeah. Yeah, I'd say he was one of the, not motivators, but people that just guide you and keep you on that straight and narrow path, shall we say. That's that's incredible. I'm just going to put it out there because I know that some people are watching this live that for some reason any questions are not feeding through. So if you are putting your questions up, we'll come back at the end of it. But for some reason, they're not feeding through this morning. So um, that's a shame because I was looking forward to some because I knew that that would uh, be interesting. Um, I might have broke that. Kirsty, I apologise for that. No, don't apologise for that. I think it's really funny. Um, mind you, you are, you are a security guard. Have you been in the back of my network? No, I'm joking. Um, I am genuinely joking. Uh, so we've talked about your friend who's inspired you. I'm wondering about where in life you've had those moments where you've had aha, good ones and bad ones. Oh, we've got a message come through finally. Yay, Hayley's with us. I'm going to go straight to that. Hayley says, it's it's great to hear this stuff that makes you and you uh, Kirsty has always has a beautiful way to open the true core of the person. Hayley, thank you. Paul, <laughs> over to you. <laughs> thank, thank you, Kirsty. So, um, yeah, so who, where have been those moments in life where you've had those aha 
moments of like good bits, bad bits. Maybe it's made you pivot because these are the things that I know I've had plenty. I've got a massively wonky career. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of things that sort of um, kick you. So mum was 20,008 when she passed away. Uh, dad, 20,011. Uh, brother-in-law was 20,000. Dad was 20,012. Brother-in-law was 20,012. Um, I changed career in 2012 because I had a passion of where things were going, worked for big, you know, big company, um, well, worldwide company. And I think you get lost as a number within that organization. So I just started to make a change. I had some personal things going on. So I had a lot of things, not negativity for quite a big, big period of time. And I think it's just keeping yourself focused and making sure that you're always looking forward. You know, people think about, you know, when you're, when you're looking forward, it's about, being here now and viewing forward rather than living in, in the future or rather than living in the past. You've got to live for now while looking forward. And that's what I did is just concentrate and go, right, let's just focus on what we need to do. That's probably why we became friends, because I think you've got to live in the now, have an eye on the future, but not dream. Yeah. And, and also one of the things I've learned in life is, is life is full of hairpin bends. I love that, that kind of phrase. But you can think you're going along a road and it's really lovely and you're having a really good time. And then this bend comes up that you weren't expecting and you don't know what's around the other side. And you either take the leap of faith and just follow it or you stand and you go, no, it's too scary to go around. And I think you're one of those people that goes round that bend as fast as you can and says, all right, bring it on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do tend to put my foot down. I mean, for, for me, because um, when we met 2014, I basically started tw six years global in 2012. Um, I started that as a design company for security, looking at networks, looking at cameras, looking at how things come together. Uh, I felt there was a big gap for that because when I was a trainer for uh, Vigilon at the time, looking at CCTV, people just didn't understand networks, didn't understand depth of field on cameras and everything else. Uh, I then got dragged into consultancy while doing that. And I worked for a software company because I was just doing things on my own. I worked for a software company called Intellico, doing number plate recognition. Uh, I worked for them from about 2014 to about 2017, about three years, um, trying to get that product out. 2017, I decided I need to sort of start making a change. So I exited out of Intellico about 2018, thinking, right, I need to concentrate on success. I had um, my best year in 2019, better year in 2020. COVID obviously kicked in 2020. Um, but having a good year, thought brilliant. No one knew it'd be two years. <laughs> so you, I, 2019, I was redoing the website and the marketing strategy. We were pushing out, loads of things going on. COVID sort of kicked me in the teeth there. 2021, so many delays in contracts, so many things that delayed it. And again, you could probably give up and going right we, we we can't carry on we've got people to pay got a load, load of overheads have to start restricting back just kept on moving forward at the moment we're we've beaten well it's one and a half times last year's uh, turnover already and we've got loads more things coming in so i think it's just about keeping your head up keeping straight and as you say put your foot down and get around that corner as quick as you can which is just inspirational. And I remember the call we had because I had just put my LinkedIn page up and you, you reached out and said, let's talk. And we, we had a conversation and you're like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm finding my feet. 
I'm not really sure yet. Yeah. And I think that was 2020. And now 2023, it, you know, I, I shelved the company quite quickly. But 2023, here I am now very clear on what I do. And, you know, I was talking about it yesterday. And they said, so what is it? Is it marketing? I went, no, it's communication. I really want to say and, and be very specific it is communication strategies that I work on. No matter where they are, no matter what it is, if it's on camera, wherever we go, it's how you communicate it. That is what I focus on. But if you'd asked me that in 2020, yeah, 2020, I wouldn't have been able to say that. So I'm just wondering if there's been an evolution and a, a change in, the, in what you do and how you go to market. Yeah, I suppose with predominantly consultancy um, in sort of 2019, 2020, people don't want to pay for advice if it, you know, because COVID, you know, um, takes that saving money. So you move into more sort of like an FM project management role, you then start managing contracts, looking at contracts. So we've just finished one for the Department of Transport, uh, which is quite a big contract for us. Uh, yeah, managing that and delivering that uh, down on the embankment, um, just because I adapt, you know, we can't just do one thing. You have to look at the, the business and think, right, that's dried up. What else can we do? We've got skill sets. Let's try to do something different. And I think what you did was focus on not necessarily what you're better at, but what the industry needs. You know, you looked at that and it is about communication. It's a, it is about how you get that message out and how you deal with people. I get repeat, I don't, you know, I've got a website. It's a rubbish website. Um, I get so many companies that go, wait, we'll, we'll do this for you. I'm not interested. You know, I deal with people. I talk to people. I, I, you know, and that's about the communication part. So once I talk to people, we understand who I am, I tend to get more work. Not being big-headed. It's just about giving that, you know, right approach and right delivery. I think that's really key because uh, my last blog was on about the the human connection. And I think it's really important in the world where automation and AI is driving uh, technology and driving the way we do things. I think the human element, uh, you know, people buy from people. And yes, there is a point where 80% of your sales are done before any human interaction. But that human interaction piece is so, so important. I know that if Hayley's listening, she will agree on this because People need that connection. And that's why this the, the wise wires way it is. It's about us connecting, showing who you are, showing who I am, but more importantly, showing that we have worked together and that we've got that trust. And we were debating this on a call yesterday about what, and, and I'm going to pose it to you just because I want to, because I'm being awkward, but trust. We talk about trust in sales and we talk about, about what trust is. But I said, you can't have trust without respect. Because if you don't respect someone, you don't trust them. So, and yeah. once the trust is broken, I don't know if you can necessarily get it back unless you're immediately onto it and you apologise and and you you lay it there with transparency. I don't know if you've got anything to add on that. Yeah, no, you, you're right. Yeah, you've got to trust people, and if it's it's like everything in life. If you if you do loads of good things. So they only remember the one bad thing that you do and it's about your approach in dealing with that bad thing and how you how you try to re replicate you know fix it so i think in the past anything that has occurred i've always taken it on the chin and gone right we'll we'll fix it um we'll get that we we'll get that right 
And I think if you if you have the right approach, rather than shy away from it and say, yeah, I, I, not, not me, I, wasn't, I didn't do that, just take it on the chin and just go, look, you know, hold your hand up. And I think that can then build the relationship back back, back up because yeah. you've taken, they respect that because they've taken, you've taken ownership of it and you've come back and, and made it right. So, yeah, and, and it is, it is, a hunt. I think you've got to own your, and my daughter said it to me yesterday, she was at uh, gymnastics and she came out and we, we talk about magical mistakes. I've mentioned these before. So there's no such thing as a mistake or an error it's a magical mistake because you can learn from it or you can evolve from it and she said i didn't make any mistakes today and i said well perfection is a moving target you really don't need to be chasing that but i do think you have to own it and i said that to her when if you do make a mistake it's okay own it you know own it and say i made a mistake and then get back up and do that cartwheel do that that whatever they that I don't know what she called them, some kind of thing on some kind of rings. Um, do that again, but own the mistake. So thank you for sharing that. The table gets to turn. <laughs> this is where I get a bit worried. Um, you get to throw some questions at me and I get to worry that it's going to be something that I can't answer. So fill your boots. <laughs> well, I've got, oh, I'm going to have to really think deep on this, Kirsty. <laughs> um, just want to say a big shout out to Hayley because what, what we picked up on then about... Um, people um she is bubbly she's lovely um you cannot help but lo love the lady so her sales approach is, is brilliant you know she gets in there and she gets people to love her and uh, that's why she's a great salesperson so yeah she is as, as for you so <laughs> <clears throat> your acting career talk to me about um what you've done in the past in that in acting as you touched so on mine yeah, no, I started when I was, so I started, I was born with a speech impediment, which I'm really honest about. So um, I had an operation at four and a half and had to learn to actually speak because I couldn't close any constant sounds off. So the first time I actually spoke in public was, I, I recited A.A. A. Milne's um, Lines and Squares at, a, at a, a, some kind of festival. Anyway, I got an award for it because the, everyone was blown away by it. Two years on, I'd already been signed by an agent because I'd been in a dance show and she liked the way that I performed. So I was um, signed by Dorian English. And that started a whole career as a child. And so I was very, very, very busy as a child actor. Um, so I did things like Heinz baked beans, Heinz spaghetti. I was on a TV program called I Remember Nelson. Um, I modelled for mother care. Yes, everybody, I have been a model. Way too short now. And it was really good fun. The, the list of stuff that I did was was good. And there was some theatre stuff in there. So I played, uh, I was in Macbeth, um, did some stuff at the National uh, in the, the it was the Cottesloe at that point, theatre. So I had a really lovely career. And then I went to Arts Ed. And of course, that career stopped because Arts Ed was all about training and development and it was really difficult actually from going from being the best dancer the best performer in your local dancing school to one of and I'm, this is going to sound ridiculous but one of 26 because there were only 26 in the year but these 26 children were incredibly talented there wasn't anybody in that the the to get into the school was was hard so at the age of 11 I was auditioning so I auditioned for the Royal Ballet I auditioned for Elmhurst I thought I was going to be a ballerina 
And on my first ballet class at Arts Ed, I looked around the room and I knew I wasn't good enough. Now that sounds really ridiculous, doesn't it? At 11 years old to make that decision. But I knew I was not a good enough dancer and I would never be good enough. And I was the best dancer, always with distinction in my local ballet school. And I wasn't good enough. And I took the decision then that I was gonna focus on drama. So it was a big decision at 11 years old. So I really got into understanding, I, I knew, knew a lot about Shakespeare, but I really got into understanding the nitty gritty. I graduated uh, arts at 19 because I stayed on and did the musical theatre course. Again, at 16, I knew that the easiest way to get my equity, but more importantly, I could keep my grant was so that I could, because I was a grant, a scholarship kid, I knew that I could stay on the musical theatre course if I worked my butt off because my dancing was good enough, but it wasn't the best. Yeah. So I worked my butt off to get into um, the musical theatre course did the musical theatre course and graduated knowing that I hated dancing, absolutely hated it. I hated being um, in the musical world. It just wasn't me. And saying that, I love singing and I would go back to the musicals tomorrow because now I miss it. But at the time, I wanted to be this actor and it was like this drive that, and, and it was in, in a lot of ways, it was a foolish drive because I, I should have stayed doing the singing and doing the bit of the dancing, but I had this drive to be a straight actor. Um, and then I got into, uh, after hanging up my dancing shoes from 42nd Street, I started doing the whole thing of low budget, uh, low paid and training films. And then I got into some really amazing TV programs. So, and all three of them won BAFTAs. So I'm really proud to say that I was in My Parents Are Aliens, Basil Brush and Shoeboxy. And those are my big things. And even now, if people, uh, watch my parents are aliens they will come up to me and go my name's not Jessica it's Charlotte and I'm like oh no oh my goodness so I still get recognized for my parents are aliens so yeah it's um I played Miss Parker in that and and I feel really lucky that I had that and yeah, then yeah. when I met Dennis I wanted to buy a house and as much as I love and I love performing look at me I'm doing a, a, a podcast you know here we are live I'm presenting because I did some presenting work for uh, Nintendo and Intel uh, whilst I was an actor so here I am still performing but I couldn't buy, buy, a, buy a house and that is the crux of the matter you know one day I looked at it and went I'm going to end up in the actor's benevolent home and I really don't want that I want to buy a house and at that point, I was in my mid-30s. Um, I was single after getting divorced. And I wanted a family. And the I love performing, but I used to be used to be seven and a half, eight stone. If I went over eight stone, I was back down to working out and, and desperately trying to, to keep fit because you had to stay in your casting type. And actually the the the, the level of anxiety that it bought um do you know what I, I love it but i also don't miss it if that makes sense yeah 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 would you ever go back once you have time and you know if um so i, I bumped into somebody which i need to reach out to tom gribby actually when who was on episode 15 of the wise why so tom i need to go back say hello um yes they i would jump back there's a role in 42nd street that i would love to play uh dorothy brock there is other things i would go back to it tomorrow in a heartbeat because i've had enough time away that my mindset's shifted and so i'm actually in the right mindset to go back 
which probably sounds really silly, but actually the time away has made me a better actor. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Very good. Yeah, interesting, interesting part, Kirsty. Yeah, well, I think I think it's these checkered path, paths, these winding, wonky careers. You know, if I look back at it, goodness me, you know, I was running teams of, you know, 20, 25 girls for Nintendo, um, launching Wii Fit. And I was, because I was, I'd gone through the divorce, I was pretty horrible and tough. You know, I think about the person I was there and I'm like, ooh. Yeah. yeah, there's a word that should be used to describe what I was, and it starts with a B. And um, I feel sorry for anyone that came across me at that point. It wasn't deliberate. I yeah. just was really good at what I was doing. I was brutal. Um, and that brutality uh, was what was needed at the time, but that brutality also what broke me. So, you know, I remember the day that I realised I don't want to be that person anymore. And, and that was a big, big shift. And then a couple of months later, I met Dennis. And now look at me. Cool. Lovely. All right. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, I do everyone's nothing, um, but that's fine. If you you know you're going to get lots of energy coming from me or some kind of purple hair. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much for sharing your story with me this morning. I really no, appreciate your time. It's been an absolute privilege, Kirsty. Thank you for inviting me. So. No problem.